Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is a podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why in the heck they were banned in the first place. And this season, we are reading, in fact, today we are finishing The Outsiders by S.C. Hinton. And again, as always, there will be spoilers. So if you do not want to be spoiled, go over to season three of Bandcamp and check out episode one and try to catch up. But hurry up, we're not waiting for you. Screw it, just hit pause now and then catch up and then come back and hit resume. I don't really know if that's how it works. Previously on Bandcamp. In the last chapter, Ponyboy, while on bed rest from a concussion, stumbled upon a yearbook photo of Bob the Sock. You dummy. Sosh. (laughs) You did that on accident? I did. Bob the Sock. (laughs) It's like a sock puppet. (laughs) And he is struck by the uncanny resemblance to Soda Pop. As he contemplates the tragic nature of Bob's life, He hopes Bob's parents hate him rather than pity him. Bob's parents also are socks. It was a very touching chapter. (laughs) How does The Outsiders end? You are about to find out. But before we jump into today's chapter, feel free to join the discussion with us on Instagram. You can follow us at Bandcamp underscore podcast. And as always, we'll include the link in our show notes. All right, Dan. So with that being said, let's finish this book, The Outsiders, Chapter 12. The hearing wasn't anything like I thought it would be. Besides Derry and Soda and me, nobody was there except Randy and his parents, and Cherry Valance and her parents, and a couple of the other guys that had jumped Johnny and me that night. I don't know what I expected the whole thing to be like. I guess I've been watching too many Perry Mason shows, so it's kind of like a criminal trial. Oh, so, wait, I'm I'm confused. Is this a thing? Is this a, a trial to, like, figure out like the whole Bob murder thing or is this the trial to figure out if the Curtises are going to live together? What do you think is going on here? I think this is a murder trial or about Bob's death. Not a murder trial, but I think it's about Bob's death. Oh yeah, the doctor was there and he had a long talk with the judge before the hearing. I didn't know what he had to do with it then, but I do now. First, Randy was questioned. He looked a little nervous and I wish they'd let him have a cigarette. I wish they'd let me have a cigarette. I was more than a little shaky myself. Derry had told me to keep my mouth shut no matter what Randy and everybody said, that I'd get my turn. That's really good of Derry, because you can't just start speaking in court. All the socias told the same story and stuck mainly to the truth, except they said Johnny had killed Bob. But I figured I could straighten that point out when I got my turn. So, like, he really does believe that he killed Bob. It's weird. This is weird. I'm assuming his concussion is still messing with him. I don't know. Pony's losing it. <sighs> I hope he's going to be all right. Cherry told them what had happened before and after Johnny and I had been jumped. I think I saw a couple of tears slide down her cheeks, but I'm not sure. Her voice was sure steady, even if she was crying. The judge questioned everyone carefully, but nothing real emotional or exciting happened like it does on TV. He asked Derry and Soda a little bit about Dally, I think to check our background and find out what kind of guys we hung out with. He was a real good buddy of yours? Derry said, yes, sir, looking straight at the judge, not flinching. But Soda looked at me like he was sentencing me to the electric chair before he gave the same answer. Soda's so worried about his brother. (laughs) I know. He's a good brother. 
I was real proud of both of them. Dally had been one of our gang, and we wouldn't desert him. I thought the judge would never get around to questioning me. Man, I was scared almost stiff by the time he did. And you know what? They didn't ask me a thing about Bob's getting killed. All the judge did was ask me if I liked living with Derry, if I liked school, what kind of grades I made, and stuff like that. I couldn't figure it out then, but later I found out what the doctor had been talking to the judge about. I guess I looked as scared as I really was, because the judge grinned at me and told me to quit chewing my fingernails. That's a habit I have. Then he said I was acquitted and the whole case was closed, just like that. Didn't even give me a chance to talk much. But that didn't bother me a lot. I didn't feel like talking anyway. Boy, Essie Hinton has an economy of writing, man. <laughs> that, that was the entire jury in less than a page, or the entire court proceeding in less than a page. I wish I could say that everything went back to normal, but it didn't, especially me. I started running into things like the door and kept tripping over the coffee table and losing things. I always have been kind of absent-minded, but man, then, I was lucky if I got home from school with the right notebook and with both shoes on. Wow, so he's in some kind of bad shape here. Yeah, I mean, he's getting way worse. How many weeks after the rumble is this? If he got a concussion, doesn't it heal, like, in 14 days or something? Like I read somewhere that the story of The Outsiders takes place during a two-week period. Hmm. Do you think that's possible? That is a... Well, we know that they were in the church for five days. Yeah. And we know that he was in the hospital for his concussion, like, for, I don't know, two or three days. So there's at least one week. So did the rest of the story happen in a week? So he got the concussion at the church. Yeah. That right? Okay. Yeah. And then he got kicked in the head on top of that at the rumble. Yeah. <laughs> Ponyboy suffered a minor concussion, and his recovery time would likely be a few days to a couple of weeks. Also, it appears that the main events in The Outsiders take place over a period of approximately two weeks. Thank you, robot. Gee, he's fine if you treat him like a human, Jennifer. <laughs> I walked all the way home once in my stocking feet and didn't even notice it until Steve made some bright remark about it. I guess I'd left my shoes in the locker room at school, but I never did find them. And another thing... I quit eating. I used to eat like a horse, but all of a sudden I wasn't hungry. Everything tasted like bologna. Oh my God, he hates bologna. I, I know. Jennifer, he hates bologna. <laughs> he must be rail thin at this point. I was lousing up my schoolwork too. I didn't do too badly in math because Derry checked over my homework in that and usually caught all my mistakes and made me do it again. But in English, I really washed out. I used to make A's in English, mostly because my teacher made us do compositions all the time. I mean, I know I didn't talk good English. Have you ever seen a hood that did? But I can write it good when I try. At least I could before. Now I was lucky to get a D on a composition. It bothered my English teacher, the way I was goofing up, I mean. He's a real good guy who makes us think. And you could tell he's interested in you as a person, too. One day, he told me to stay in after the rest of the class left. Pony boy, I'd like to talk to you about your grades. Man, I wished I could beat it out of there. I knew I was flunking out in that class, but golly, I couldn't help it. There's not much to talk about, judging from your scores. Pony, I'll give it to you straight. You're failing this class right now, but taking into consideration the circumstances, if you come up with a good semester theme, I'll pass you with a C grade. 
taking into consideration the circumstances. Brother, was that ever a way to tell me he knew I was goofing up because I'd been in a lot of trouble? At least that was a roundabout way of putting it. The first week of school after the hearing had been awful. People I knew wouldn't talk to me, and people I didn't know would come right up and ask about the whole mess. Sometimes even teachers, and my history teacher, she acted as if she was scared of me, even though I'd never caused any trouble in her class. You can bet that made me feel real tough. Yes, sir, I said, I'll try. What's the theme supposed to be on? Anything you think is important enough to write about. Oh, I wonder if this composition he's going to write will change his life. Maybe he'll write about it, like do some of that. With, what do they call it? Like journaling. Journaling. This is all going to change. Journaling changes the world, right? Yeah, but what if literally the last scene is Pony Boy sitting down and he grabs his pen and his little legal pad, right? Mm-hmm. And the camera zooms in on an empty legal pad. Okay, Dan, that's enough of this. No, no, that's... no, listen. <laughs> listen, the camera in everyone's mind zooms into a blank page, and he writes, When I stepped out into the bright sunlight from the darkness of the movie house, I had only two things on my mind, Paul Newman and the ride home. Oh, God. This is another one of your St. Elsewhere tangents. It's it a, is literally how this book started. I know. He's writing the book. Okay. That, isn't that a fantastic point? Well, now I'm going to have to flip to the end and see if that's what happens. No, don't. No spoilers. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. for you. I will not have any spoilers. <laughs> I will not have self-inflicted spoilers on this. Please, no spoilers. But no spoilers. Anything you think is important enough to write about. And it isn't a reference theme. I want your own ideas and your own experiences. My first trip to the zoo. Oh boy, oh boy. Yes, sir, I said, and got out. What? Is this like his mind is like concussed? What? Why does it say my first trip to the zoo? What is going on? What? Why is that oh, there? Why is that there? Is it I don't get it. I, he, is, he, is having a, okay. he is having a moment right now. Yes, sir, I said, and got out of there as fast as I could. At lunch hour, I met Tubit and Steve out in the back parking lot, and we drove over to a little neighborhood grocery store to buy cigarettes and Cokes and candy bars. The store was the Grease Hangout, and that was about all we ever had for lunch. Yeah, that's just not healthy. It's just, gr well, and I don't like that they put cigarettes into a food group. Yeah, that's Let's not. Let's have lunch. Let's have some cigarettes and Coke. Ugh. God. The Soshas were causing a lot of trouble in the school cafeteria throwing silverware and stuff, and everybody tried to blame it on us greasers. We all got a big laugh out of that. Greasers rarely even eat in the cafeteria. I was sitting on the fender of Steve's cart, smoking and drinking a Pepsi while he and Tubit were inside talking to some girls, when a car drove up and three socias got out. I just sat there and looked at them and took another swallow of the Pepsi. I wasn't scared. It was the oddest feeling in the world. I didn't feel anything scared, mad, or anything. Just zero. You're the guy that killed Bob Sheldon, one of them said, and he was a friend of ours. We don't like nobody killing our friends. <laughs> we don't like nobody killing our friends. Hmm, uh, good point. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially greasers. Big deal. I busted the end off my bottle and held on to the neck and tossed away my cigarette. You get back into your car or y'all get split. They looked kind of surprised, and one of them backed up. I mean it, I hopped off the car. 
I've had about all I can take from you guys. I started toward them, holding the bottle the way Tim Shepard holds the switch. Oh, I know what's going on. I know huh? what's going on. What is it? Dally's spirit entered Volley Boy, and now he's being possessed by Dally. I guess they knew I meant business, because they got into their car and drove off. You really would have used that bottle, wouldn't you? Two-Bit had been watching from the store doorway. Steve and me were backing you, but I guess we didn't need to. You'd have really cut them up, huh? Oh, wow, so he's turning into, um... I mean, he is turning into Dallas Winston. I mean, he's turning into that, I could give a shit, I could care less, I've had enough, I've been on enough, I just don't care. This is the last chapter of a book. This is a really peculiar way. (laughs) He's a good guy the entire book, and now right at the end, he's going to turn into Dally Jr.? I really thought he was going to go a different route, but we'll see. I mean, we still got a few pages left here. I guess so, I said with a sigh. I didn't see what 2-Bit was sweating about. Anyone else could have done the same thing, and 2-Bit wouldn't have thought about it twice. Pony boy, listen. Don't get tough. You're not like the rest of us, and don't try to be. What was the matter with 2-Bit? I knew as well as he did that if you get tough, you didn't get hurt. Get smart, and nothing can touch you. What in the world are you doing? 2-Bit's voice broke into my thoughts. I looked up at him. Picking up the glass. He stared at me for a second, then grinned. You little son of a gun, he said in a relieved voice. I didn't know what he was talking about, so I just went on picking up the glass from the bottle end and put it in a trash can. I didn't want anyone to get a flat tire. Ah, he can't heads. He's, his nature's good. Yeah. I tried to write that theme when I got home. I really did, mostly because Derry told me to, or else. I thought about writing about Dad, but I couldn't. It's going to be a long time before I can even think about my parents. A long time. I tried writing about Soda's horse, Mickey Mouse, but I couldn't get it right. It always came out sounding corny. So I started writing names across the paper. Daryl Cheyenne Curtis Jr. Soda Patrick Curtis. Pony Boy Michael Curtis. Then I drew horses all over it. That was going to get a good grade like all get out. Hey, did the mail come in yet? Soda slammed the door and yelled for the mail, just the way he does every day when he comes home from work. I was in the bedroom, but I knew he would throw his jacket toward the sofa and miss it, take off his shoes, and go into the kitchen for a glass of chocolate milk, because that's what he does every day of his life. He always runs around in his stocking feet. He doesn't like shoes. Yeah, well, you shouldn't wear shoes in the house. That's just nasty. And I'm sorry if I just offended our entire audience, but... Shoes in the house is disgusting. I know. Then he did a funny thing. He came in and flopped down on the bed and started smoking a cigarette. That's a funny thing. Soda doesn't smoke, though, unless he's nervous. Oh, hey. trying to look tough. I just, oh, you're right. Okay, that's right. He hardly ever smokes, except when something is really bugging him or when he wants to look tough. And he doesn't have to impress us. We know he's tough. So I figured something was bothering him. How is work? Okay. Something wrong? He shook his head. I shrugged and went back to drawing horses. Soda cooked dinner that night, and everything came out right. That was unusual because he's always trying something different. One time we had green pancakes. Green. I can tell you one thing. If you've got a brother like Soda Pop, you're never bored. All through supper, Soda was quiet, and he didn't eat much. That was really unusual. Most of the time, you can't shut him up or fill him up. Derry didn't seem to notice, so I didn't say anything. Then after supper, me and Derry got into a fuss about the fourth one we'd had that week. 
This one started because I hadn't done anything on that theme, and I wanted to go for a ride. It used to be that I'd just stand there and let Derry yell at me, but lately I'd been yelling right back. What's the sweat about my homework? I finally shouted. I'll have to get a job as soon as I get out of school anyway. Look at Soda. He's doing okay, and he dropped out. You can just lay off. You're not going to drop out. Listen, with your brains and grades, you could get a scholarship, and we could put you through college. But schoolwork's not the point. You're living in a vacuum, Pony, and you're going to have to cut it out. Johnny and Dallas were our buddies, too. But you don't just stop living because you lose someone. I thought you knew that by now. You don't quit. And any time you don't like the way I'm running things, you can get out. Why would he say that? I went tight and cold. We never talked about Dallas or Johnny. You'd like that, wouldn't you? You'd like me just to get out. Well, it's not that easy, is it, Soda? But when I looked at Soda, I stopped. His face was white, and when he looked at me, his eyes were wide with a pained expression. I suddenly remembered Curly Shepherd's face when he slipped off a telephone pole and broke his arm. Don't. Oh, you guys, why can't you? He jumped up suddenly and bolted out the door. Derry and I were struck dumb. Derry picked up the envelope that Soda had dropped. It's the letter he wrote Sandy, Derry said without expression, returned unopened. Huh. So that was what had been bugging Soda all afternoon, and I hadn't even bothered to find out. And while I was thinking about it, I realized that I had never paid much attention to Soda's problems. Derry and I just took it for granted that he didn't have any. Huh. Well, that's a big realization. It's like, oh boy, I'm being a little self-absorbed here. When Sandy went to Florida, it wasn't Soda, pony boy. He told me he loved her, but I guess she didn't love him like he thought she did, because it wasn't him. You don't have to draw me a picture, I said. He wanted to marry her anyway, but she just left. Derry was looking at me with a puzzled expression. Why didn't he tell you? I didn't think he'd tell Steve or Tubit, but I thought he told you everything. Maybe he tried, I said. How many times had Soda started to tell me something, only to find I was daydreaming or stuck in a book? He would always listen to me, no matter what he was doing. He cried every night that week you were gone, Derry said slowly. Both you and Sandy in the same week. Oh, that is tragic. That's so sad. He put the envelope down. Come on, let's go after him. We chased him clear to the park. We were gaining on him, but he had a block's head start. Circle around and cut him off, Derry ordered. Even out of condition, I was the best runner. I'll stay right behind him. I headed through the trees and cut him off halfway across the park. He veered off to the right, but I caught him in a flying tackle before he'd gone more than a couple of steps. So loving. God. (laughs) Well, and like, I think it's always a good move when you're just coming off a concussion to shoot a diving (laughs) tackle at your brother, you dumb-dumb. It knocked the wind out of both of us. We lay there gasping for a minute or two. Then Soda sat up and brushed the grass off his shirt. You should have gone out for football instead of track. Where did you think you were going? I lay flat on my back and looked at him. Derek came up and dropped down beside us. Soda shrugged. I don't know. It's just, I can't stand to hear y'all fight. Sometimes I just have to get out or it's like I'm in the middle of a tug of war and I'm being split in half. You dig? Derek gave me a startled look. Neither of us had realized what it was doing to Soda to hear us fight. I was sick and cold with shame. Oh, that's good. 
Like maybe this is an emotional slap to the face. Yeah. Oh, sh- shoot. I love my brother and I've been hurting him by fighting yeah. with him. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to be said about that. People don't realize when they're fighting with another family member how that can really hurt the other family members. That's a big deal. So glad he realized it. What he said was the truth. Derry and I did play tug of war with him with never a thought to how much it was hurting him. Soda was fiddling with some dead grass. I mean, I can't take sides. It'd be a lot easier if I could, but I see both sides. Derry yells too much and tries too hard and takes everything too serious. And Pony Boy, you don't think enough. You don't realize all Derry's giving up just to give you a chance he missed out on. He could have stuck you in a home somewhere and worked his way through college. Pony Boy, I'm telling you the truth. I dropped out because I'm dumb. I really did try in school, but you saw my grades. Look, I'm happy working in a gas station with cars. You'd never be happy doing something like that. And Derry, you ought to try to understand him more and quit bugging him about every little mistake he makes. He feels things differently than you do. He gave us a pleading look. Golly, you two, it's bad enough having to listen to it. Then when you start trying to get me to take sides, tears welled up in his eyes. We're all we've got left. We ought to be able to stick together against everything. If we don't have each other, we don't have anything. If you don't have anything, you end up like Dallas. And I don't mean dead, either. I mean like he was before. And that's worse than dead. Please, he wiped his eyes on his arm. Don't fight anymore. That might be the central, that's the pivot point. Yeah, I hope so. Derry looked real worried. I suddenly realized that Derry was only 20. That he wasn't so much older that he couldn't feel scared or hurt and as lost as the rest of us. I saw that I had expected Derry to do all the understanding without even trying to understand him. And he had given up a lot for Soda and me. Sure, little buddy, he said softly. We're not going to fight anymore. Hey, pony boy, Soda gave me a tearful grin. Don't you start crying too. One ball baby in the family is enough. I guess they mean cry baby. I'm not crying, I said. Maybe I was. I don't remember. Soda gave me a playful punch on the shoulder. No more fights, okay, pony boy, Derry said. Okay, I said, and I meant it. Derry and I would probably still have misunderstandings. We were too different not to. But no more fights. We couldn't do anything to hurt Soda. Soda Pop would always be the middleman, but that didn't mean he had to keep getting pulled apart. Instead of Derry and me pulling him apart, he'd be pulling us together. Aw, that's a nice little ribbon to tie that together. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Soda said, I'm cold. How about going home? Race you, I challenged, leaping up. It was a real nice night for a race. The air was clear and cold, and so clean it almost sparkled. The moon wasn't out, but the stars lit up everything. It was quiet except for the sound of our feet on the cement and the dry, scraping sounds of leaves blowing across the street. It was a real nice night. I guess I was still out of shape because we all three tied. No, I guess we all just wanted to stay together. I still didn't want to do my homework that night, though. I hunted around for a book to read, but I'd read everything in the house about 50 million times, even Derry's copy of The Carpet Baggers, though he told me I wasn't old enough to read it. I thought so, too, after I finished it. I never heard of The Carpet Baggers. <laughs> I don't think I have either. Finally, I picked up Gone with the Wind and looked at it for a long time. I knew Johnny was dead. I had known it all the time, even while I was sick and pretending he wasn't. It was Johnny, not me, who had killed Bob. I knew that, too. 
I had just thought that maybe if I played like Johnny wasn't dead, it wouldn't hurt so much. The way to bit, after the police had taken Dally's body away, had griped because he had lost his switchblade when they searched Dallas. Is that all that's bothering you, that switchblade? A red-eyed Steve had snapped at him. No, Tubit had said with a quivering sigh, but that's what I'm wishing was all that's bothering me. But it still hurt anyway. You know a guy a long time, and I mean really know him. You don't get used to the idea that he's dead just overnight. Johnny was something more than a buddy to all of us. I guess he had listened to more beefs and more problems from more people than any of us. A guy that'll really listen to you, listen and care about what you're saying, is something rare. And I couldn't forget him telling me that he hadn't done enough, hadn't been out of our neighborhood all of his life, and then it was too late. I took a deep breath and opened the book. A slip of paper fell on the floor and I picked it up. Pony boy, I asked the nurse to give you this book so you could finish it. It was Johnny's handwriting. I went on reading, almost hearing Johnny's quiet voice. The doctor came in a while ago, but I knew anyway. I keep getting tireder and tireder. Listen, I don't mind dying now. It's worth it. It's worth saving those kids. Their lives are worth more than mine. They have more to live for. Some of their parents came by to thank me, and I know it was worth it. Tell Dally it's worth it. I'm just going to miss you guys. I've been thinking about it and that poem, that guy that wrote it. He met your gold when you're a kid, like green. When you're a kid, everything's new, dawn. It's just when you get used to everything that it's day. Like the way you dig sunsets, pony. That's gold. Keep that way, it's a good way to be. I want you to tell Dally to look at one. He'll probably think you're crazy, but ask for me. I don't think he's ever really seen a sunset. And don't be so bugged over being a greaser. You still have a lot of time to make yourself what you want. There's still lots of good in the world. Tell Dally, I don't think he knows. Your buddy Johnny. Oh man, that's sad. Tell Dally, it was too late to tell Dally. Would he have listened? I doubted it. Suddenly it wasn't only a personal thing to me. I could picture hundreds and hundreds of boys living on the wrong side of cities. Boys with black eyes, see? Now these are the real black eyes. Boys with black eyes who jumped at their own shadows. Hundreds of boys who maybe watched sunsets and looked at stars and ached for something better. I could see boys going down under the streetlights because they were mean and tough and hated the world. And it was too late to tell them that there was still good in it. And they wouldn't believe you if you did. It was too vast a problem to be just a personal thing. There should be some help. Someone should tell them before it was too late. Someone should tell their side of the story, and maybe people would understand then and wouldn't be so quick to judge a boy by the amount of hair oil he <laughs> I Okay, sorry. I'm being really immature here. Well, I mean, it's like now we come off of this beautiful part. It doesn't matter the amount of hair oil. My hair. It was important to me. I picked up the phone book and called my English teacher. Mr. Sai. Why would she choose this name? How in what the heck it? do you say this? As Mr. S-Y-M-E. You come up with names <laughs> like Pony Boy, and you're going to come up with a really hard It can't be Mr. Jones. Mr. Simey? Why not just do Simon? Mr. Sim? Why not do Mr. Sims? I'm just going to go with Mr. Sim. 
Mr. Sim, this is Pony Boy. That theme, how long can it be? Why, uh, not less than five pages. He sounded a little surprised. I'd forgotten it was late at night. Can it be longer? Well, that's what not less than means. <laughs> Sorry. Did he say not less than five pages, but no more than six? <laughs> Certainly, Pony Boy, as long as you want it. Thanks, I said and hung up. I sat down and picked up my pen and thought for a minute, remembering, remembering a handsome, dark boy with a reckless grin and a hot temper, a tough, toe-headed boy with a cigarette in his mouth and a bitter grin on his hard face, remembering, and this time it didn't hurt, a quiet, defeated-looking 16-year-old whose hair needed cutting badly and who had black eyes with a frightened expression to them. One week had taken all three of them. And I decided I could tell people, beginning with my English teacher. I wondered for a long time how to start that theme, how to start writing about something that was important to me. And I finally began like this. When I stepped out into the bright sunlight for yes. the darkness of the movie house, I had only two things on my mind, Paul Newman and right home. You are so... <laughs> yes, is it the end? Is it over? Oh yeah, end of book. Oh, yes. You got your St. Elsewhere ending that you've been so desperately longing for. When will you understand my brain works exactly like a 15-year-old? It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? All right, Dan, so let's get into PPP for this last chapter of The Outsiders. Maybe this last chapter will reveal... Every, it's it's actually the opposite of why this book should be banned. It's very hopeful message. There was nothing in here that would be banworthy. It, this chapter, especially, I don't think at all, nothing banworthy. Agreed, agreed. This mm. last chapter just puts a, a nail in that coffin, the coffin of the, the book banner vampires. Okay, we went over 12 chapters. Every chapter was where we did find something potentially banworthy, it was kind of like, okay, I mean, I guess I see something, but get over it. No reason to be banned. Agreed. So, yes, kids were smoking, kids were fighting, running from the police. All of the stuff you say is is bad, I get it. But none of it is banworthy. I can't say that I even understand where people are coming from that want to ban it. Like, I can't even comprehend their reasoning. <laughs> right. I seriously can't. Which, once again, we got to end the season the same as many other seasons. Are we the right people to host this podcast? Because we <laughs> never get it. Hey there, it's Michael Myers, the infamous killer from the Halloween movies. And I'm Reagan McNeil. The little girl who was possessed by the devil in The Exorcist. Feeling brave this Halloween? Get ready for a spine-chilling episode as Jen and Dan, hosts of Bandcamp, the comedy band book podcast, read a children's story so terrifying it got, well, banned. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. That is absolutely true. It was actually banned for being too scary. Ooh, a book so scary it got banned. Ever hear of scary stories to tell in the dark? We're reading, I mean, they're reading, The Haunting Tale of the Big Toe. 
But the terror doesn't stop there. Joining us are Derek Hayes from Monsters Among Us podcast and David Flora from Blurry Photos. They're sharing eerie stories that'll have you checking under the bed and behind the curtains. Don't miss out on this ghastly Halloween special. It drops on Halloween Day. Are you brave enough to tune in? (laughs) All right, wrap it up, will ya? So don't miss out on the Halloween special, of course, airing on Halloween, October 31st. You're going to love it. But wait, here's even more news, followed by a major Bandcamp announcement. Next week, we're taking a break. We're preparing for the new season of Bandcamp. But then the following Tuesday is, of course, Halloween and our Halloween special. And then beginning on the Tuesday after Halloween, which is November 7th, we are back for season four, book four, where we dive in to an American classic. Hey there, it's Jennifer and Dan from Bandcamp, your go-to comedy band book podcast. This season, we're headed down the Mississippi River with the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. We'll read it out loud one chapter at a time, trying to figure out why it was banned in the first place. But we're probably not going to be able to find a reason because book banning is stupid. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for new episodes. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Bandcamp with two N's. Join us. All right. We've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. You can find us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast where you can connect with fellow scary book people join in the polls and discussions and you can vent about the evils of book banning and we really do hope you join our community we'd love to see you there and engage with you Bandcamp is produced and hosted by dan schultz and me jennifer davis all media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use and we'll see you next time everybody see you next time